Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to another episode of Dude and a Monkey, as once again we take you to the outer reaches of the Dude and a Monkey universe, or damn you. It is a place where dudes are monkeys, monkeys are dudes, and film criticism is based on a love of film, rather than a lack of fucking writing ability and the need to abuse your dubious position as an established movie nerd to make women feel uncomfortable. My name is Noel Mello, your host for the show, and that can mean only one thing. It means we are, once again, in Dude and a Monkey in a Mank mode to play it forward. And as ever, I am joined in this endeavour by... Matt Foster. Hello, everybody. Noted date rapist Ian Loring. <laughs> uh, yep, noticed non-CSVP feedbacker Noel Meller. Um, if you don't know what Play It Forward is all about, it's basically once in a while I give these two a night of hosting duties as we all gift each other a movie that we think the other will enjoy for some reason. Furnishing their iTunes collection with a shiny new carbon called some description in the process as well. Um, this time around, I've gifted Ian... Ian has gifted Mark, and Mark has gifted me, and so each giver introduces their reasons for gifting the film before handing over to the receiver, who will offer his thoughts on it. Um, so that's it, in a nutshell. Before we crack on, though, is there anything that's happened in the world of film since since last we recorded, actually, uh, that we need to talk about? Not um, that I can think of, no. Is there... Um, Judy Greer has just been cast in the new Halloween film, which means I'll be getting an erection in for a, at least once during the course of that movie. Is that confirmed? Judy Greer. Judy Greer. She's. Um, oh, that one. Oh, yeah. I'm. I'm a big fan of Judy Greer. Um, nice. She's. Uh, oh shit! In talks to play a car- uh, a fucking Laurie's daughter. Laurie Strode's daughter. Yeah. Ooh. When did Laurie Strode have a daughter? Oh, who cares? Did she have a daughter? I don't care. Interesting. I'm into that. I'm into that. Yeah. Um, apart from that, <laughs> the only thing I've noticed is uh, reviews are in for Blade Runner and it's sounding positive. I'm <laughs> Sometimes I'm still, a little bit too positive. I'm, yeah, I'm still wary. I am... A little worried that it's gonna take a trip up its own ass. Which scares I, I, me. I, the review situation I, or the actual film? Like kind of both. Yeah. I'd prefer it if the film uh, crawled up its own ass. That's kind of what I want. I want it to crawl up its own ass a little bit. Um, I prefer that. I prefer it to crawl up its own ass than to, than to come out and go, well, yeah, that was all right. Um, but I, I also have noticed there's been a few people already going, hey, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I was first to say I didn't like it. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, it, if I don't like it, it's going to be because I don't like the fucking film. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still looking. I'm looking forward to it. It's 40 minutes longer than the first one. I just, it's. Like I'm, I'm. And the thing is, I haven't read a single review. I know that the word is good, but that's kind of all I need. And I don't know, Avatar. The word was fucking incredible when that film first came out. Like the word was super, super fucking strong. I don't know. Even something like the Lego Movie, everyone was fucking 
like trying to be the one who could come the loudest over it and you know and it just it, it makes me wary i mean i have faith in Villeneuve. i i genuinely do but tomorrow night because i'm going to see it on thursday all i'm going to do tomorrow night is play fifa and try and forget about it and then <laughs> fucking blade runner on thursday yeah i'm doing it we were hoping to go to Manchester to do it, but unfortunately, I might have to work Sunday, which has made me very unpopular in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm not sure when I'm seeing it, but uh, I'm still very much looking forward to it. Nice. See, this is. I, I this is would the thing, go yeah. Thursday night, but I, I just I, I can't because I wanted to arrange to go out with a friend that I cancelled on last week, where I did the the most amazing cancel ever. I just went. I I, I just I don't wanna. I don't want to go out. Solid. <laughs> I want to go home. Very good. I wish I could say that in all in all situations because I I, t- I tend to make plans and then immediately sort of when the day comes around regret it because I could. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, on I... the Blade Runner thing, I, I think I'm in a strong position actually because I'm not a Blade Runner fan. But You're I'm not a, a huge fan, are you? No, I'm a Dennis Villeneuve fan based on the three of his films that I've seen that I absolutely loved. Um, and um, I'm a Ryan Gosling fan, obviously, who isn't. Um, so, yeah, based on that, I could I could get enjoyment out of it. Sorry, Ian, were you going to say something? Um, just it was moving off Blade Runner. So if if, if we're done with Blade Runner, I'll, I will I will ask yes. my question. But yeah, um, how how is the SNES Mini? The SNES Mini is beautiful. It's uh, it's it's smaller than I thought, though. I mean, I don't know if it's, it's just because. Tiny. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it's just because you're used to seeing a SNES a certain size, but it's fucking really small. Um, yeah, it's great. <coughs> the menu system's great. The music on the menu system's great. Um, it's very nicely laid out. The the C- CRT filter option is quite nice because yeah. I think in sort of yeah in sort of true HD, it's a little bit too sharp and it really exposes. You know, it really exposes the pixels. The CRT option does kind of, I thought it'd be a bit gimmicky, but it softens it a little bit and just makes it feel more like it did. Um, the games, obviously, you know, the games that I, I already know and love are, are great. So Super Girls and Ghosts, it's great to replay that. Super Mario 4 or Super Mario World, if you prefer, is, is you know, is always going to be one of the greatest games ever. Uh, Mario Kart, F-Zero, all, all the classics. Um, I, I, but it's been got- nice to discover of others as well so um, I, I, I need mainly. to say yeah go considering you're not a gamer super ghouls and ghosts that's impressive that game is considered one of the <laughs> toughest video games of all fucking time yeah it is and i'd forgotten just how hard it was now i, I can't remember how well i had done with super girls and ghosts in the past but i played it quite a lot so i must have got past the first level <laughs> and i'm struggling at the moment i gotta be honest um it's great but it's yeah it's i think there's a lot of life in it i think i can get a lot of enjoyment out of it there's games on there (coughs) excuse me that i've never played before which have obviously got a life a lot of life to them so obviously um zelda a link to the past i've never played that before that's potentially something that i can dive right into um and also metroid super metroid i've never played that before and you know firing that up for the first time the other day the way it sort of opens and the story it gives you and the sort of um, 
the sounds and the sort of rain and the, you know, it's got a real atmosphere and you're like, my God, for like, you know, for, for, for a, for a SNES game, this is really like, I don't know, it just completely consuming. Like it draws you right in, in, in a way that you kind of wouldn't expect from a, from a game that's quite so old. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm loving it. Charlie's loving it. Um, it's been great to just play Street Fighter Two with Charlie and just you know punch each other. He thinks it's hilarious, and um, <laughs> we're, we're getting we're getting a lot of uh, a lot of good high quality nostalgia and daddy time with it. So it's it was well worth the the seventy quid I paid for it, and and well worth the fucking around checking stock informer every two seconds to to actually get hold of one. So yes. I, uh, I'd I, recommend it, but I, you know, you're not going to get one. So. I, I wish I reserved one on Friday morning when I said to you that it was in stock in Argos. I, I wish uh-huh. I did it because seeing people tweet about it and seeing video reviews, it looks fucking brilliant. And I really want to play Star Fox too. I fucking love oh, Star I've Fox. Still not played that. Still not oh. played that. Like I just that's I'm crazy. Kind of, I feel like, like I'm sort of, I feel like I'm sort of saving it a little bit. <laughs> Because every time Charlie goes, what about this one, Daddy? I'm like, no, 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 you can't have that one. <laughs> Just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save that until I'm on my own and I can properly dive in. <laughs> that, 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 that's a Noel's got a night a night in on his own <laughs> exactly. game. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, like, it, it just fed that those who don't know, and we will move on in a second, but Star Fox 2 was famously com- pretty much completed and then cancelled. Um, so it never, ever, ever came out. And the first... There have been ROMs of it available, but it's been unfinished like versions. This is the first time a release version of it has ever been made publicly available, so it's quite a big deal. Um, I've heard it's all right. And it's just well. a nice little, it's just a nice little story, though, isn't it? As well, just that you know, you know, this is the game that never got out there. I, I like that. Yeah, and the, like the developer when it when the SNES Mini was announced. The developer, I, I like, didn't know about it, but he wasn't like, "I want money." He was like, "People are going to be able to fucking play it. Brilliant, great." Yeah. You know, and he just had a like celebratory dinner. It was like oh, good for him. So uh, yeah, no, it's um, I've I've heard Earthbound is good as well. Um, like quite a meaty. I've RPG, not played that yet. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it. There's a couple, like I say, Link. Uh, sorry, Zelda: Link to the Past and Earthbound. Um, I think there's an oh yeah uh, there's another one on there as well but there's a couple of games that are, that are like that that you know I boot up because I'm like I don't know what this is and then I'm like oh yeah I can't play with it I can't play this with Charlie but it's you know there's a game there's a full game there that I can dig right into at a later stage mm. and I'm not in any rush and it's just you know it's it, it was so worth it in that regard I know I'm gonna get really going to get my money's worth out of it you know aside from the style the nostalgia factor of always now having that bunch of games available you know for the rest of my life potentially or until the controllers wear out or whatever um you know there is that other element of it of fuck there's actually something new i can play here and get into because that's you know i can't do that on um i can't do that on modern consoles because i'm i'm useless at them so yeah it's well worth it i'm in love nice <laughs> very very good very good sorry sorry Excellent. about that so, there, but yes uh double tangents uh double tangents out of the way there uh we shall move on to our first film um do you mind if i just uh bowl it towards you ian first of all oh so what the yeah the one that i'll I i'll, I'll, I'll intru- yeah 
I'll introduce your choice from me. Okay. Um, so oh, right. Okay. My, yes. Yeah, is that okay? Just, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. got to start somewhere. Oh, my God. Right, cool. Um, so <laughs> I think it came about as a conversation on a typical, uh, on a Dude and a Monkey podcast, didn't it? Wasn't it? Didn't it come up in conversation and that you hadn't seen it somehow? I thought it was just WhatsApp. Oh, was it? It might have been WhatsApp. Maybe it was. But the uh, double Oscar nominated The Devil Wears Prada, um, starring uh, Meryl Streep uh, and Anne Hathaway, who I know Ian is a fan of. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Sorry, no, not Anne Hathaway. Emily Blunt, who I know Ian is a fan of. I'd take Um, that. Either of them would be fine. Yeah. Um, I'm not picky. No, I don't. Not, I don't they, don't they don't have to fight that they're not Ian. I'd have a crack at Adrian Grenier, to be fair. So, you know. You'd have a crack at Stanley Tucci. I fucking would. Uh, Who Tucci? fucking wouldn't? Oh. Um, so, yeah, the uh, the double Oscar nominated Devil Wears Prada. I don't necessarily believe in um, guilty pleasures. Um, because I just say like what you fucking like it don't matter um, but this is kind of one of those movies that in fairness pops up quite a lot on TV and if it does I can slip right into it and just watch half an hour of it or you know, the remaining hour of it or whatever it is very very easily um, so it was chosen for Ian because it came up and he hadn't seen it. It seemed like a bit of an odd one because it's it's a modern movie that just, it was out of the cinema and I just find it difficult to believe that you avoided it for, for maybe not intentionally, but it kind of slipped you by. I hate um, it. That's the problem. Well, I mean, especially with it being an Oscar, an, an Oscar nominated mm, thing yeah. as well. It just seems odd that it slipped by and it sort of felt a little bit, maybe outside of the type of thing that you would probably expect me to uh, pick for Ian. So, um, yeah, Devil Has Proud of 2006, what did you think? Yeah, I really liked it, yeah. Um, I, it made me laugh, though. I said to Donna, like, oh, do you fancy watching The Devil Wears Prada with me? She was like, no. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know, the thing is, I think she knew Emily Blunt was in it, and I'd basically just be like mentally jerking off for an hour and 45 minutes. So, um, first off, a grade A blunt uh, in here, both in performance and in uh, the, the, the visuals. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan. Uh, yeah. Early I mean, blunt as well. Sorry? It's kind of early blunt as well, isn't it? Yeah. No, I mean, this, this, I think this was kind of her breakout, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, she's very, very well cast. And I mean, she's ever so slightly one note, I think, but that's more the performance and just their screen time than anything else. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I liked it. I liked the, I liked the message that it had. And I mean, like if I had a complaint, it's that I feel the ending was a little bit too, there's no fucking way Meryl Streep would actually give her that reference. Like, I, 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 I don't, there wasn't enough connective tissue there of I'm trying, you know, the whole kind of like at the end, it's like, well, of course you're this person. No, I'm not. And then she quits. And then it's like, well, I'm going to give you a good reference anyway. I, I don't, I didn't see that. Um, but I think Streep is, is very, very strong in this. And I can see why she was Oscar nominated. Obviously, 
it's quite a showy role, but at the same time, she's really quiet, and there's like a, just a fierceness to her throughout. Mm. And I, I like the way that it acknowledges. There's that one scene where it's like, if she were a man, no one would be calling her a bitch or whatever. They'd just be saying he's really good at his job. And I, I mm. like, I really like that they actually reference that. Um, the Tooch, great. Uh, I think Anne Hathaway is is uh, good in it. Even though, I mean, like, it's just, I don't know. She's Anne Hathaway. If you're gonna. I don't know if you're going to cast someone who's supposed to be less pretty than the girls around. Don't cast Anne Hathaway. It's 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 weird because they do that kind of like ugly duckling, ugly duckling transformation where she walks in after the first kind of like fashion hints yeah. with Stanley Tucci, and suddenly, holy shit, who the fuck is that? It's like, well, yeah, she's Anne Hathaway. She's yeah. I, I, you know, mm. so I, I had she was I had, she was fit before. She's just wearing slightly different clothes now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't know. It, it's um, I, I had small problems with it, but I could see what you're saying there about it being easy to dip into and out of. Um, it yeah. feels like a very comfortable film. Um, and I, I don't know. It feels slightly like we don't get stuff like this anymore, where it's a PG rated. It doesn't have to have like loads of fucking swearing or like extreme scenes. You know, if it was made today, you'd have something where Anne Hathaway did a major public shame fuck up at a modelling show or something, and it yeah. would be like you know, you know, it would be something mm, she, like that. She did a shit on the catwalk or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, exactly. Or I don't know, fucking or Meryl Streep's character would be swearing up a storm. She'd be like fucking Les Grossman in Tropic Thunder or something. Mm. Um, but they don't do that. It's more subtle than that. So I think it's it's high tier what it is, I would say. And uh, yeah, I mean, fair fair play for pushing it at me, Noel. Um, you know, and I don't know why I'd never seen it before. It just I hadn't got to it. Um, mm. I think I've got a bit of a blind spot for a few years. The few years between when I left uni and when I um, started working at the cinema, like. 2005 6 to 2000 and like late 2007 there is a bit of a blind spot there where i didn't get to everything um mm. and i think this kind of falls in that so i, I think that's it it's, it's not because i hate women um could have done with judy greer just put judy greer into everything <laughs> judy greer is caesar's wife in the in the second two planet of the apes films and the tagline for that film should really be you'll believe a man would want to fucking eight. <laughs> Some Christopher Reeve shit they've done there. I'll tell you. It's funny though, because we, <clears throat> when we discussed this and I said, oh yeah, right, well, I'll give this to you then. I was thinking to myself, well, it's a really recent film. Like it's, you know, it's, it's 11 years old. This. Yeah. Like, yeah. 2006. Like that does it really doesn't feel that old. I mean, I, I remember this being in cinemas. I don't know what I was doing at the time. If I was maybe working, I can't be. It can't. No, it can't be that old. Um, yeah, fucking. I like this. Does not feel eleven years old. I mean, I guess when you look at the individuals involved and the number of films and the type of roles that Anne Hathaway's had since then and Emily Blunt, then maybe you can start to see it. But it just. 
11 years just seems like a stupidly long time. It, it feels like the street could do this today, though. Like, uh, yeah. well, very easily. I I, I, I think that, that this is kind of like her, her last great performance before everything had to be a lot more... Because it's interesting what you said, Ian, about it being... A big performance, big character, but a quite a, it's quite a sedate performance in mm. that it's not it, it's it's a character performance. Whereas everything post, which um, Mamma Mia, which is a couple of years after this, has been very OTT and very look at me. And whereas mm. this is a little bit more, she's just kind of like the central sort of hub of everything um, that it revolves around. Um, so. She's 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 very good in it. As I think everybody's good at what they're doing in it. Certainly, she makes a role like this look like. I was just gonna say she, as you say, Ian. It is. It's a very easy watch of a film. It's um, it's a very comfortable film, and I think um, Meryl Streep is a huge part of that. She sort of glide. She glides into individual scenes, does her bit makes it feel stupidly easy and then the main character is forced to just continue so i think it's it's quite a what's the word it's quite a, it's quite a giving performance for her it's quite it's quite a a nice performance for an actress like her to do she probably you know she has those one single scenes that are kind of effortless for her and it elevates the whole thing i mean you know, she's not the lead, but she gets the she gets that scene where she walks into the building and has everybody sort of terrified, and it just sets up that whole thing so well that she's just somebody to be like feared in all such in all situations. And what's she going to say next? You don't know. And it just, I love the way she makes it just feel. You know, giving Meryl Streep praise is, is is nothing new, but you just I love the way she makes it feel so fucking easy. And no, it, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it, it, it kind of sounded like what Mark was saying there might be. I, I'm intrigued, Mark. What did you think of this? Because it kind of sounded like you were a bit meh-ish. Um, I, I think it's. I think, like you both said, it is. It's a very watchable film, but I can watch this kind of stuff with ease anywhere. Um, I, I find this kind of stuff really kind of like it's very good afternoon watches I, for instance i watched this today this morning at about half 11 and it feels like a good time to watch this but i could also watch it on a thursday night at eight o'clock on probably itv2 yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was like that uh, yeah i i overall i i want to say i enjoyed it but i kind of expected to enjoy it but i do have some problems with it and i think those problems are slightly more uh, amplified for me than maybe they were for you, Ian. So the, the, the ridiculousness of um, if, if you're going to cast an actress that you're going to have people look at and go, what's that? Then you can't really cast Anne Hathaway. I would like to say if the rest of the film wasn't as enjoyable as it was, that would be a fucking huge problem for me. As which, it is, I give it the benefit of a doubt. Which I can absolutely see. And there's also a bit where actually Meryl Streep's character does actually refer to her as being fat. Now, I know Mm. that what they're doing is they're saying, 
look, this is the ridiculousness of the world is that Anne Hathaway would be considered fat in that, which is fine, and I get it, but it is also a little bit like... But still, actually, it's still a little bit fucking stupid, really. Hmm. Um, so th- there was bits like that. Uh, I... I don't like the fact. I don't. I, thought, I don't think any of her friends uh, and Hathaway's friends are, are, are nice people oh, at all. Got I think, dickhead from Death Proof in there. But, yeah, yeah, I, 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 th- I think they're all assholes. You know, her boss, who they all know is a, is a, is a bitch and is hard on her, is calling and they're just dicking it out with her phone. And it's a bit like if I was her, I would have punched one of them in the face at that moment, and then. None of them know anything about fashion or anything like that. Uh, or, but then when she bringing all the stuff, they're all like, "Oh, it's the new blah 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 blah." Back. It's a bit like, hang on a minute, you, 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 you're trying to have literally every fucking cake on the table and hold it towards you and go, "No, I don't know. I don't know if all these are nice, but I, I but yes, they're all lovely." At the same time, and it, it just feels a little bit. It, there was, there was too many points in it where I just kind of went, oh, "Fuck off," but. I was still enjoying it throughout. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just, I don't, it just, I don't know. I don't have an awful lot more to say about it in all honesty. Um, it was Stanley fucking, Tucci's I mean, great. Oh, he's fucking brilliant. He's, he's great. I think, to be honest, I think everybody is, is, is very good in it. Like I say, at what they're doing, they're all very good in it. Um, Oh, Simon Baker is just the most fucking sleazy, fucking greasy-looking fuck you. That I, yeah. I, 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 I was disappointed that Anne Hathaway slept with him. But it was kind of obvious that it was going to happen. Yeah, he, he, Simon Baker couldn't be more of a re, more of a the perfect example of a rebound fuck. Hmm. Well, you should know. Well, yes, I should know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I, it's overall, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And like, not um, you say no. I could <clears> see myself if I sat down on like an afternoon that I had off or anything like that, and I flicked TV on, flicked on Sky, and it was, it happened to be on whatever Sky channels they're calling them nowadays. Um, there, I, I probably could see myself sitting there and going. Yeah, there's only 40 minutes left of this. I could easily watch this. Mm. I think this one would be on Sky Tucci, which is the yeah. channel that they've got exclusively so for Stanley Tucci films. Um, do you know what? Don't, don't fucking doubt it. Will have they will have. They, they did, yeah. They've had this year, they've already had the Keanu Reeves channel, the Tom Cruise channel, the Matt Damon channel, the Harrison Ford channel. You're joking. I'm not joking. I'm a fucking joke. They're a fucking mess, aren't they? Essentially, what they have um, is they have they've Sky Premiere, which is a new premiere every single day. Then they have Sky Family, Sky Disney, Sky Action, Sky Comedy, and then they have a channel, a Sky Sci-Fi, and then they have a channel that changes month by month. Um, mm. So that's that's the one that they do with like Sky Tom Cruise and yeah, stuff and like that. Sky um, Star Wars um, and mm. Sky. So it's always random stuff. Like in in um, December, it is literally always there's a Sky Christmas, but there's also a Sky Harry Potter. Pretty much every December. 
I just can't see how that model is is going to last much longer. It feels like they've just got. I mean, do you subscribe to all the movie channels then? I do indeed, yes. Fucking hell. But, like, inf- to be honest with you, Mark, like. Why do you need it? I can't. Why? Do, like, what, what are you getting out of that that you've not got access to everywhere else? And how I, much do you actually. To be honest. Do you actually watch that stuff? On, on, do I watch Sky? I probably watch. <laughs> yeah, no, Sky Movies. Sky Movies. Yeah. I probably watch things on Sky On Demand as much as I use Netflix and Amazon oh, Prime. Really? In fairness, yeah. he does use Sky On Demand a lot. Like. Yeah, right. like Sky Go and stuff. Like a lot of the stuff you talk about on the show, you watch on yeah. that, don't you? That's on demand, yeah. Okay. There'll, there'll be a lot of times where I'll, I'll look and it won't be on Netflix, but then I'll go to that and it'll be on that. And plus, sort of like, um, if there's been a, a, a blockbuster out, for instance, and I don't want to buy it on, um, I don't want to buy it when it comes out. Uh, the chances are, not, not even the chances are. It'll get to Sky before it gets to Netflix or Amazon a lot of the time. Well, how does Sky, Now TV how does Now TV fit into that though? Because that's surely that's all the same content that's going out on Sky Box Office and Sky Movies and yeah, pretty much. I, I don't know. Do, do you get Sky on demand with that? Where you get well, access to all the well, on demand library? You yeah, get through Now is, TV yeah, you access do. To, the, to the movies. Yeah, depending on which package you got, because I've just got the entertainment package, so I don't have the movies on it. Yeah, I think for the movies are only like a tenner <laughs> a month as well. Yeah, yeah, but it's the movie package on Sky is only about eleven, twelve pound a month. Uh, all right. The thing, right. The, thing that put, the thing that pushes well, the price I mean, up with Sky any, is 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 football. Is football. I think it's probably one of them. You've gotten you've gotten used to having it in your life, and it fits in with your life as well. So even yeah. if there was an alternative, there's no reason for you to change currently. But it just, I don't know. It just feels like a model that is just that surely has to change dramatically over. Maybe it is changing with with Now TV and with Sky Go. I don't know. It just feels, the, feels odd. Their big next thing is is this Sky Q thing where you have yeah. essentially you pay for it and you you buy a Sky Q box for different rooms. And effectively, everybody, every room, you can have a house that has um, four bedrooms, a TV in each bedroom. And as long as you buy the boxes, you can watch a different thing on every single, what is it? And nobody ever can... has to sit next to each other or talk to each other ever again. Exactly. Yeah. You can it's, all double screen in your own rooms. It's that. But it's one of those things. It, it, the amazing thing is, for effectively, let's call it, let's say I'm paying £10 for uh, for all the Sky movies. Let's say I'm paying £15, for argument's sake. And I'm paying uh, a tenner for Prime. It's 25 quid and a tenner for Netflix. That's 35 quid every month to have that. And I, I holding my hands up, I, I honestly, I haven't um, torrented a movie in... I can't remember in months um, from that. So I've got I've got all those plus what I can what I'll buy on iTunes, um, and that that's fine with me. But that's that's thirty five quid, and I maybe spend twenty quid on buying stuff every month. That's fifty five quid a month maximum is what I'd say I, I'd spend there. But I use it, Becky uses it, and Isabel uses it. And that's probably still less than I used to spend on Blu-rays every month or DVDs every month. And I've got access to pretty much everything I can get access to. Yeah. Whatever works, isn't it, really? That's it, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, 
It wouldn't be doing a monkey without a tangent. There's another one for you. Uh, put it in your pocket. Um, and we will. Uh, so, oh, just to sum, just to summarise then, um, uh, Devil Wears Prada. Ian, that's something you would recommend then, or? The hell yeah, the hell yeah. I yeah. Mean, fuck man, if you're fucking, at least if you're looking to jack it, you got enough to watch there. <laughs> but it's a good film as well, you know. Definitely, See, that's it. It's an odd one because definitely not shit. And I'd say through through the course of the film, if you really tried, you could probably jerk off. Four probably five crack times. one out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could probably keep it stiff for, for for most of the film anyway, and then just just get oh, one quick blast at the end of yeah yeah, yeah over Meryl Streep's last scene. Yeah, very yeah. Good. It's an odd one because obviously I've recommended it to you here for the reasons cited, but. It's not a film I'm crazy about. It's just a film that I think is very watchable and very enjoyable for the performances and just for the, you know, I don't know. I'm a Sex and the City fan, so you can see where I'm coming from. Um, Mark, definitely not shit on. Yeah, shit. I, I, I'm definitely not shit on it. Um, like I say, I, I had issues with it, but I still, I still very much enjoyed my time with it. Um, and I, I could see myself watching it again. Um, our review poll that we put out um, was definitely not shit, 33%. Touching cloth, 33%. And shit, 34%. So, fucking hell, split right down the... Split right down the middle, yeah. I, 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 like I said, I, I don't think it'll be the last time I watch it, is what I'll say. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's the type of film that if your missus wants to put it on, obviously Ian, yours doesn't. Um, it's the type of film that if you if your missus wants to put it on, you can get something out of it too, even if that that is just a casual boner. Yeah, yeah. You know, sorry. The, when, what, what did I say at the beginning of this fucking episode about not being sexist? I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what I'd say I, about it is, if, if when a you get single woman listening to this podcast. <laughs> I she just switched off. I, I, I genuinely don't think they've ever made themselves heard. Um, and, you know, in, in the end of the day, fuck, man, my my wife is a better person than I am. Women are better than men. They are. I'm just joking. I'm just joking about in a self-effacing, you know, all I've got in my life is jerking off over Emily Blood. Not joking, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's not the most admirable picture that you paint there, so that's that's fine. I'm drinking for the um, first time in two weeks, by the way, so you know that's my excuse. That'll do. So um, relative success, I think, there for the Devil Wears Prada. No, total um, success, Mark and... can get fucked. You what? Sorry. <laughs> total success, Mark can just get fucked. Fine, <laughs> So, if I gifted that to Ian, then Ian, would you like to take us through your choice for Mark? Yeah. So, I I picked this because the recent series of Twin Peaks has just ended, and I've not seen one person or outlet or anything reference this film with regards to a certain aspect of Twin Peaks. So. Uh, Howl Ashby's Being There um, is a film that I am fucking convinced David Lynch took inspiration from when coming up with the character of Dougie Jones. So Dougie Jones, for those who don't know, in Twin Peaks is a it's basically Agent Cooper 
in the body of I, 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 fuck how do you describe it it's basically agent cooper with the like almost like the intellect of a child um yeah who somehow has profound meaning for other people mm. and that is peter sellers in being there so mark has never seen it before and i want to ask mark do you think david lynch is a fan of being there Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are absolute positives. You, uh, you, you can say it from that. It is. I'd be very, very, very surprised if either um, Lynch or Mark Frost hadn't seen it or discussed an idea and took inspiration from it. it it's so. The characters are, are, are startlingly similar, aren't they? I don't think it's the characters as such. It's more. The way that the, the the way that people react, people react to the character, to yeah. than anything yeah. else. Yeah, mm. it's the characters are, you know, vaguely, very, very vaguely similar, um, but more coincidentally similar. But it's the reactions that people have to what um, Peter Sellers' chance uh, is doing, and that, and they, they bounce off him, and they they take all of his um, essentially childlike qualities or I don't want to say that he's he's got it's hard to start, kind of it's hard to describe um, how, how he is in, in in the film he's I mean he's it's referred to as being simple minded he's just he's got to an age where he's never really got older than would you say early teens possibly maybe, younger I'd, yeah I'd say younger, younger maybe maybe I'd, I'd maybe yeah. say 10, 11 at maximum. I'd say even younger. I, I don't know. I was thinking maybe sort of five, six kind of, to yeah, be honest. It, it's, it might, it might it's be hard that, yeah. the, the, the weird thing about this film, and I'll just very quickly just jump in, is just the thing that I noticed about it is if you were making this film today, you would have a very clear history to refer back to, and it would naturally feel like you would make chance uh, artistic or you would... Um, or, or some sort of something on that kind of spectrum. There would be an easy, there would be an easier way to 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 diagnose him almost. Whereas, because this was made when it was made, a term like, I mean, they don't really use terminology in the film. That's kind of the beauty of the film. But a term like simple or simple-minded or childlike is something. Is that 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 would be how you would describe it back then? I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It feels quite, quite um, of its time for, for that. There, and there's never a, it's never a mean film, which is quite nice about it. Um, it's it always sticks along. It's a very strangely pitched movie, to be honest. Um, in that, it's it, it's hard watching it. Part of its, I would say, its charm uh, that the film has got is it keeps you intrigued throughout what's going on because you, you kind of sat going all right when are they gonna work out that he's not chauncey gardner that he's chance the gardener what happens beyond that but it just kind of keeps ticking along with this and he never he's always completely innocent within it all and he never breaks that innocence and he never he never drifts into stupidity it's always just 
he meanders through. It, it's very clever writing, I think, as well as well as direction and performance. In that you can just about believe the reactions that people have to him, and it's 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 shining a microscope on people's own stupidity hmm. that, that that they that that they're essentially projecting what they think is 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 intelligence onto somebody who isn't actually intelligent there and just has a a complete blank slate um, in the sense that they they don't have the amount of years that their appearance would suggest of being worn down or uh, have any of that wisdom that has gone through there or any of that cynicism that, that, that should have developed by that age. They are quite literally, they're pure, but because they are, they dress the way that he does and um, because he's is quite well is well presented and quite casually and spoken and fairly well spoken if not of vocabulary that's limited it, people don't people will pick up on things and be okay and the fact that he's been he's had no exposure to the outside world leaves him to not be afraid of anything really i mean the, the prime example is when he goes up to the group of um young um uh, black kids and and they're saying to him you know you go and tell Raphael, and he's like I, I I don't I don't know Raphael, but if I see him, I'll tell him. The fact that the first black person he comes across is <laughs> do you know Raphael? <laughs> it, I fantastic. don't believe I do. <laughs> and then there was there was another point where I, I kind of wish it had happened, where when he goes to the TV studios and he's having to that interview, and he walks by a um, a black a, a black dude, and I, I was hoping at that point he'd stop and go, "Excuse me, do you know Raphael?" And he doesn't do it, and I kind of thought that's a slight missed opportunity, lah. But yeah, overall, I I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it in a way that, as I was watching it, I was kind of thinking, right, I'm not sure if I'm enjoying this or if I'm just wanting to find out what's happening. And then once it got to the end, I was very much like, right, yeah, that's where it's gone. Okay, that's brilliant. And it kind of makes sense for the rest of it. I'm glad I'm glad it went there. I I remember I watched this on like my phone or a tablet or something in uh, the projection room in the View Cinema in Cardiff um, quite a few years back now. And it was really fucking late at night, like one, half one in the morning. And getting a fucking ending like that when you're a little bit spaced anyway and just tired just completely fucking blew my balls off. I remember that really clearly, just being like, what? What? Because like you say, it does kind of weirdly make sense that he's that fucking not with everybody else in the film, that he's, what, apparently Jesus? But that's it. I don't think, I I think that's the beauty of it, is that it feels like it was made, you know, I think, I'll I'll put this out there right now, I fucking loved this film. I really, really loved it. Um, And I think the ending, obviously, 
the ending is great if you take it at face value and go and and, and for what it is but it, for me the ending sums up what happens quite a lot through the rest of the film is that it's it's kind of wrong footing you and it's kind of you feel like you know what's going on but then it makes a joke and and then you know uh, like the sex scene and stuff like that it's it sort of you feel like you know what you're getting and you feel like you know everything that he's got that Chauncey's gonna or Chauncey's gonna say but then it's sort of wrong foot you and makes a little joke instead and that ending feels like a, a, a an intentional gag that is intended to to have you debate it and discuss it and 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 make you say oh does that mean he's Jesus oh does that mean he's so um clueless about the world that he just walks on water or does it mean this or does it mean that it, it's just you know it, it's that sort of he's so innocent and so not in touch with the world that he just walked across some water because he's that blank minded or or is it that he's the messiah well actually it's probably none of these things it's just a it's it's another wrong foot it's another joke sort of thing it's 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 such a an, it's such an odd film but every bit of its oddness just makes me love it more it's it's fantastic it is, the, it it, the, the little gags like when he's at the i don't know what it is that the the ambassador's dinner <coughs> i think it's an ambassador's dinner um where he's kind of walking about and it just keeps cutting to the impotent president stood like laying in bed with his wife going, <laughs> well i don't know what it is you see and she's like is it me he's like, no no and then it just cuts back to the dinner and then you see Chansey speaking to a couple of other people and it goes back and she's like, maybe you should see a doctor. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to see a doctor. Just little things like that that you're like, what is this? Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the I think my interpretation of almost the walk and water thing was kind of almost a an injure to the film and the rest of the characters in the fact that they they've so bought into him that they see him as yeah. if he could literally just walk on yeah, water. Yeah, sure. And it, yeah, it, it, it's yeah. that. And it's it's like you say it's it's almost like the film's final kind of fucking joke is, you know, he he he's oblivious to the fact that he can walk on water to the fact that it's just it's just something that happens for him yeah. and that his his life has almost been just so kind of easy, uneventful but easy in the sense that he's always had pretty much everything done for him apart from the one thing that he loves doing, which is gardening. Mm. And then he he wanted, when he finally gets unleashed in the world, he ends up essentially ascending to becoming president. <laughs> mm. I mean that, that that discussion at the end is amazing as well. With their whole reasoning for <laughs> well, you like, know where it's going. <laughs> basically, King, yeah, no, absolutely. But like the whole reason for like King making him is well, no one knows what what he did in the past. That's basically yeah. the most important thing. No one can dig up anything about him. Mm. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's such a fucking but cynical, I weird move. I love it. Uh, as a sort of mechanic for the film as well, I think I, I really enjoyed the first bit because I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know anything about the film going in. So when you see him sort of meandering around you know his house and sort of he's very specific about what he does and then it becomes clear that he's going to get pushed out into the world and the 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 score and the mood and the look of everything changes the second he steps out the door and and the music is um is it like but like a um a funk version of it as he's walking 
as he's walking through the Bronx and there's just people sort <laughs> yeah. of huddled around. It just, everything changes. And I'm just like, where is this? Is this like a crocodile Dundee situation now? Is, is this, is this a fish out of water thing? And then <clears throat> very quickly, the film settles into what it actually is. And that's, uh, you know, what, what a difference one person can make by, and, you know, referencing the title, what a person, the different, what a difference a person can make just by being there and just by being present and not forcing themselves into the conversation and not forcing them, their opinions and not forcing their, it's just, you know, it's like you said at first, Mark, the, the, the point of the film is how everybody is reacting to him. He is a blank slate, a very innocent blank slate walking around because people don't know because he isn't talking and people don't know what he's thinking. They do what people do and talk to fill the silence and they end up finding their own answers just by coming up with them themselves and, and sort of reflecting them on him. Although he's not actually doing anything apart from just being there. And I just, I love that idea that just, you know, that it's a refreshing sort of a refreshing person in the room that's just broken everything up and allows people to get to the decisions and thoughts that they need to have by not actually contributing. It's fucking brilliant. Really, really, really clever. Makes up for the Greeks and Strangler at least. (laughs) It very much does. (laughs) Yeah, it very, very much does. Uh, It it was a, the thing is I'm I'm looking at it and it's, it's very much like a gap in my, uh, Hal Ashby, um, film watching i think there's there's only a couple that i haven't watched and so and the thing is i probably never would have got to it had 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 this had we not been doing this and had you not uh, gifted me on that and that had been a a big shame because i actually i I really i quite enjoyed it i was quite taken by it Uh, in the weird sense that i'm looking forward to re-watching it because i don't feel like i was enjoying it enough while i was watching it but then the minute it finished i was like that was brilliant, but I I, I was appreciative whilst watching it. But I wouldn't say I was enjoying it, you which sounds really strange. But I was just I was too busy, I, I was too impatient for the film. I was going, right, I want to know what happens. I want to I want to know what's going on. I want to know what's going to happen. Where's this going? Where's it going? Where's it going? Where's it going? And I think it, watching it if I, when I go back and watch it again, I love that of knowing everything that goes on, and I can kind of try and pick up more from it. I can yeah. see that. I can see how. I, I mean, I watched it in short bursts as well, which probably had some effect. But because um, I, I rented it on Sunday. What day is it? I rented it on. I rented it on Sunday. Watched a little bit of it. Watched a little bit on the train uh, on Monday, and watched the rest of it on the train today. Um, so I watched it in short bursts, and I could totally see where I could totally see why you would think that because I think it is a film that gets better once you've once you've seen it and you let it breathe and you go oh, actually yeah i mean the ending makes a big difference because it sort of puts a cap on it and gives you something else to think about but that makes you think back over the rest of the film and go oh yeah the point was kind of this and the jokes were kind of this and yeah i think it works that way absolutely yeah um other uh, Twin Peaks connective tissue. Uh, the DOP was uh, Caleb Deschanel, of course, yeah. directed some episodes of Twin Peaks. Indeed. 
Um, very, very pleased. So, I mean, I'm a definitely not shit. Kind of sounds like you guys are as well. Oh, def- def- definitely, definitely not shit. Uh, a very, um, a very heavy kind of recommend, to be honest. Yeah, uh, 100% definitely not shit. If anybody's listening to this and hasn't seen it, absolutely watch it because it's, it's wonderful. We really, really. The fuck out of it, but. Yeah, kind <laughs> of. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> it's um, just, it's nice, to, it's nice to see a film that is positive and leaves you with something positive and is kind of uncynical and is just something that make, once you've finished it makes you think fucking hell I'm really glad I watched that it's given me something I, I think that's that's good Aces okay so another uh, another popular choice there so finally uh, we move on to Mark's choice for me uh, Mark why don't you talk us through uh, your decision behind uh, the last unicorn um, I, I know of your liking um, for 80s animated um, films, um, be them fantasy or just general kind of animation. I suppose majority of the fantasy. And so when I, I, I had to pick for you, yourself, because uh, I, have, I, have, I have a little bank in the back of my brain uh, of films to pick for Ian. Because when we'll do something on the podcast and I'll have watched something and he says, oh, I haven't seen that. I'll go, well, there, that can fucking go. So that can go in that little bank there and we'll save that for later. Um, whereas with, with yourself, with this, um, it, it's kind of like I, more I have to go, right, where will, what will fit into this? And straight away, I sort of thought, right, do you know what? The last unicorn, it, because in a similar way to when you said you picked Devil Wears Prada, because it was something that not necessarily you loved, but you liked and you thought it would it'd be interesting to kind of throw it into this environment. The last unicorn was something else. You know, it, it, when we started this out, I don't think many people would have thought that you'd have a, a show where, you know, between us, we were talking about essentially a, what would be deemed wrongly deemed uh, a, a chick flick in uh, Devil Wears Prada, a uh, family fantasy movie and, Whatever you would categorise being there as, yeah. But, but yeah, uh, so that's that's why I, I, I picked it. I have um, I have fond memories of uh, the last Unicorn from watching it as as a child, and I thought I have a feeling that that that, that no might might get something for it. Might not love it, but might get a, an appreciative uh, element from it. Lovely. Well. You're dead right. I mean, I do have a, a a love for either the animated films of the 80s that um, the animated films of the 80s that I either grew up with or ones that I've discovered in, in the years following. So Ralph Bakshi stuff like you know, Fire and Ice. Um, a, a big one for me is Rock and Rule. Um, I, I love that film. Star Chaser, The Legend of Orin. Um the British animated ones, the Plague Dogs, watch it down. But I think the thing that I love is children's movies that have a sort of either a dark edge or a slightly adult edge or a, a sort of a message that's kind of buried beneath um, beneath the animation or the you know the pretty stuff. Um, so, you know, I'll, uh, that extends beyond animation to stuff like The Dark Crystal or Never Ending Story and stuff like that. You know, big themes that are wrapped up in a, in a children's movie. Um, and I think I think this is, is absolutely one of them. So 
for for anyone who doesn't know um, for anyone who doesn't know the plot, um, the last unicorn is uh, from 1982, um, animated movie, as we said, um, and it's the story of a unicorn who is visited by a butterfly who puts the seed in her head um that she may be the last unicorn um she then makes the decision to go out into the world and discover if she is indeed the last unicorn and if she is then what's happened where have all the unicorns gone um have they been killed she discovers more about um a sort of mystical mythical story about the unicorns being chased out of uh chased out of the forest by (coughs) the red bull um which uh, is, is not a sponsorship thing. It is literally a Red Bull. Yeah. Um, and she sort of goes on literally a quest to, to find out more. Um, she discovers friends along the way and um, discovers more about herself uh, and eventually finds some answers. Um, also, it's it's animated by, as well, uh, Topcraft, which uh, may not stand out to many people uh, but Topcraft essentially uh, was an animation a Japanese animation studio that was bought um, by Hayao Miyazaki um, and turned into it. Studio Ghibli wow really well yeah Topcraft was did, 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 yeah. I've got I've got a note here in front of me that says does this have some connection to Ghibli because it feels yeah. very Miyazaki um, that was the it was a studio they actually did Nausicaa uh, Valley of the Wind was done by um Topcraft, uh, so it, and but it's now re- referred to as a studio um, Ghibli movie, but it was actually done by um, Topcraft, and then Ayo Miyazaki, um, Itoshio Suzaki, and Ayasa Takahata uh, actually bought the studio out. So, yeah. See, that's it. It's interesting because it 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 feels very sort of ranking bass in mm. in many respects, but it it felt more. I mean, I, I noticed at the end there were there were a few Japanese names in the in, in the animators and stuff. It felt a little bit more <clears throat> Japanese than it did typical ranking bass stuff. Yeah. Um, so that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, so so that's the plot anyway. I think the when you look at the plot overall, I think there's there's something there that probably that probably suggests that this is a film that could be celebrated for many other reasons uh, nowadays. I think, um, you know, when you take something like Rock and Rule, which is a film that most people don't know and, and aren't aware of, and you look at it and you go, well, hang on a minute, this is a uh, this is an animated sort of science fiction movie that's got the music of Cheap Trick and Dirty Harry and Lou Reed and Iggy Pop and Earth, Wind and Fire, and it's got... Um, it's, it's got really sort of high profile um, actors in there and, <coughs> and, and, you know, what happened to this film? Where did it go and, and who made it with this? It feels like there's, I don't understand why this film isn't a known and celebrated movie by, uh, by the gay community. Um, first and foremost, it's got a unicorn in it, which goes a long way in the gay community it's the story of this sort of young and beautiful thing that is that comes to discover that she is different or you know possibly the only one of her kind and then she goes on a quest to discover 
if there are more people out there like her. Um, sorry, go on. It, it's a very. I, I, I'll let you go on this, but I, I will. I will tell you a very interesting point that will actually back up a little bit what you've just said in a second once you've, you've, you've finished. Okay. Show a bit. Well, the, the, the purpose of the purpose of her quest as well is to go out there and discover if there are more people out there. She basically wants to be around people like her, not be on her own anymore. Um, and in doing so, she discovers that her people have been oppressed by this massive symbol of uh, of masculinity. And in the end, she ends up literally bringing down the castle of patriarchy and, you know, freeing all of her, freeing all of her other beautiful unicorns and, and, and running free with them into the sunset. And the world becomes a much more happy and beautiful place as a result. It's a <coughs> it's a screaming homosexual parable in the night in the best possible way. Um so it, it, it's, it seems, it strikes me as very odd that this hasn't been, or maybe it has been and I just don't know about it, it strikes me as very odd that this isn't a film that has been, you know, that is up there with Rocky Horror Picture Show or, or any, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it's necessarily the first film that comes to mind when people talk about gay cinema, but it just feels like it should be. Hmm interesting thing my exposure to the last unicorn um came from uh, my sister received it as a christmas gift uh from my uncle uh who is gay right hmm. and is he a fan of it yes very much so excellent okay so it, it, it was it was when my, my uncle wasn't one of those people who uh, would buy a, would buy a gift and just see it on a shelf and go oh that's for a uh, a seven or eight year old girl. It's got unicorns in it. She'll like it. it, it, it there's all there would always have been a thought process behind. Um, right, that's because of this and this and this, and oh, that's why oh. I got her it. Incidentally, same uncle that took me to see the first movie I ever saw at the cinema, and it was uh, Masters of the Universe. Um, so I'm guessing his thought process behind that was I get to watch <laughs> Dolph Lundgren in a loincloth for, for two hours. And so do you. <laughs> and so did I, yes. We enjoyed it for entirely different reasons. But yeah, I mean, beyond that, though, beyond the, you know, the fact that it does have this sort of hidden meaning to it as well, um, it is an intensely enjoyable film. It does have that sort of high quality animation of the 1980s, which you don't always necessarily get these days. If you certainly if you um, step outside, um step outside the Ghibli of Ghibli's of this world and stuff and look towards sort of, you know, typical TV animation. Now um, it is of a high quality. The music is great. Uh, on occasion, the music, which I think is, is it America that do like a large it, portion? It of is America. Yeah. Like yeah. Which, which is great. Um, I think on occasion, the music does get a little bit silly and a little bit too over descriptive of what's happening on the screen. There is, literally moments where it's like i am running past the stream and is <laughs> swimming by me and, and it's literally what's happening on screen um so that there are moments where it gets a bit stupid like that um the message gets a little bit confused at one point and a little bit odd when the the, the lead character the last unicorn becomes human i think there's a there's a section of the film which slows down a little bit where she you know 
she's been on this quest. She's picked up a couple of people along the way, a, a sort of bumbling magician um, and a sort of matriarch character who, who, it turns out, has a connection with her from the past or certainly a connection with unicorns from the past. Um, and there's this whole section in the middle where they're in the... Um, they're in a castle and she's become human and the unicorn within her is starting to sort of dissipate away. And I mean, I guess again, if you want to apply the same theory, then she is in the castle of patriarchy and, and the gayness is slipping away from her as she becomes more, more in line with that system. If you like, I don't know. I'm probably overanalyzing all this, but it's, I think all this stuff is there. Um, but, you know, that section where she becomes human and she's trying to figure out what she is supposed to be, but it's kind of slipping further and further away from her. And, you know, the dude uh, who is played by Jeff Bridges, whose name uh, escapes me momentarily, uh, he's trying to figure out, you know, how to how to make her love him. And then he finds out that she used to be a unicorn. He's like, no, I'm not bothered. I'll love her anyway. And it's like, all right, this is getting a bit odd now. This is weird. Um, so it, it, it gets a bit odd and it sags a little bit around that point, but I think it's the, the climax is exciting and rewarding enough that it kind of makes up for that, that short spell where it maybe drags a little bit. Um, I loved it. I loved it for the animation. I loved it for the fact that it's a bit different and a bit odd, uh, and yet it's still a, uh, a children's movie, a, an animated movie. Um, I loved it because <clears throat> I feel like more people should see it for the reasons that I've described, but also just because it's one of those oddities. I'm quite surprised that it's found its way onto <coughs> onto iTunes, which, but that's a good thing. Maybe I'm just underestimating how maybe this film is more popular than I think it is. I don't know, um, but I really, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Um, I'm interested to see what Ian thinks because I know there was some things he didn't like about it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was kept interested by the notion of whether Jeff Bridges was going to fuck a unicorn or not. So, um, <laughs> I like I first 15 minutes or so, I wanted to punch a butterfly in the dick. Um, <laughs> And I didn't... I was concerned at that point, I must admit. I was At that point, I was a bit like, are the characters in this all going to irritate me? He fucking so irritated with you. me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I... I loved how dark it was. Like, the fucking... The, <laughs> the, the fucking king just... chucking all the unicorns in the sea. And just, like, he just likes basically watching their corpses wash up. Like it, it's like, and that's like the only beauty in his world is a fucking mental the only thing that makes idea. Him happy. Yeah, yeah, just like what? Wow, okay. Um, see, let's see, let's see if you get something like that in a in a in an illumination entertainment movie. Or, do you know what I mean? That, that, that that's, feels, that's the thing. It's, that feels like something that could be Studio Ghibli. In fairness, you know, yeah, I mean, like yeah, it yeah, really does. Um, but. My interest was primarily maintained by is Jeff Bridges going to fuck a unicorn? Um, so I was disappointed that he didn't. Like there was a there was a section in the film where I thought she was in human form. In fairness, but I thought Jeff Bridges was going to fuck a unicorn. 
And when that section ended, I became disappointed. <laughs> so I enjoyed aspects of it. Um, like Mark was saying with being there, it's not a film I ever would have watched unless I was doing it for something. Um, yeah. See, I'm glad that it came to me because it's not a film that I would have watched because I don't know where I would have found it. If I'd have seen it somewhere and gone, oh yeah, that exists and, and discovered more about it, I would have watched it. But I just, I've never happened upon it for some reason. So, I mean, obviously, Mark, you've happened upon it because of, as you say, it was given to someone. Yeah, it's given to my sister. There's a couple, um, we seem to... I, you're going back into an age of where videos, you know, home videos, they weren't something you purchased on a regular occurrence. It was something you were either given as a gift or you asked for as a gift. Um, and I, I know my, my sister, I think, got this. And she also got another movie from the same year uh, from the same uncle uh, that I was was I was toying between these two for suggesting for you. And they're one, and they're both, uh, weirdly enough, they're both 1982 uh, animation movies. Oh. Uh, and the other one is The Secret of Nim. Have you yes. seen that? I believe I've seen it, but I don't yeah. remember it. That's that's one I, I would say, I, I might actually go back and rewatch that at some point. Yeah, I might go back and week. rewatch that. So, but yeah. that is, if, if, if you think that um, that Last Unicorn's dark, The Secret of Nim is incredibly dark. Right, yeah. Um, I, I think The Secret of Nim, actually, weird enough, I found it on somewhere once, Um and it was in the. And bear in mind, it's it's a it's a PG, and it's an animated nineteen eighties movie. And it was in the thriller um, and drama section. Mm. And I thought, no. And then I remember rewatching it and going, oh god, that's horrible. <laughs> that's yeah. horrible. There's so many of these children's movies in that era were dark. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm just looking at it now, and this is uh, <coughs> this is a movie that only got. I mean, obviously, it was 1982. <clears throat> so if this is coming out on VHS, then it's it's going to be out very early. Um, and there was only one preset VHS release of it, and that was on a label called Precision. Precision were a very, very small label. They didn't have an awful lot of films. Oh, actually, they did have an awful lot of films. I'm thinking of somebody else. They had an awful lot of films, but they were a lot of TV, a lot of animation, um, a lot of quite unknown stuff. So I think probably what's happened is this was probably available on pre-cert video in my local video. Oh, sorry, it was probably available on pre-cert video, but my local video store didn't have it. And if they didn't have it, then I'd have had no reason to happen upon it it didn't exist, yeah. It didn't exist to me, you know, and, and until the world changed and, and it becomes available digitally. I mean, I don't know if it's ever been released on DVD, but certainly never seen it anywhere. So, um, yeah, it's an odd one. But, yeah, excellent. Um, I would say definitely not shit. Absolutely definitely not shit. Um, really enjoyed it. I, I had kind of thought that maybe I'd watch it with Charlie, um, I'm but so then, glad no, I didn't watch it with Lottie. No, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, knowing the era that it was from and knowing 
the reasons that Mark may have recommended it to me, um, I figured it might be, you know, I'd be a modern parent and, and view it first. I actually don't think there was too much in there that would have um, that would have troubled him. Um, I think the more troublesome stuff that's in there, you know, uh, about the unicorns going into the sea, I don't think he'd have got it quite. Um, I don't think he'd have fully, fully realised what was happening. Um, would would he have been said, like, what, what are the unicorns doing in the sea, Daddy? And you'd just be like, well, Charlie, son, <laughs> this, this king was crushed by his own depression. So he, all these fucking unicorns just went in the sea and he just l- marveled at the majesty of them being crushed beneath him. I tell you what, That's son, like- depression's a motherfucker and it's all you're going to experience in life. That's what the last unicorn is trying to tell you. Now watch Jeff Bridges try and fuck a unicorn. That's exactly what I would have said. Yeah, yeah that's pretty much what, what I said to Isabel. Do you know what he would have said in return? He would have said, okay, daddy, can I have a yogurt? So, <laughs> that's actually, yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's pretty much what he would have said. Yeah, like, um, literally, we spent 45 minutes trying to get Lottie to go to sleep last night. She wouldn't because she wanted a yogurt. So I feel your fucking pain. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I think on a, on a different level, though, I don't think it would have been quite entertaining enough for him. I think the no. sort of, the lulls he would have dropped out. So I'm glad I watched it on my own. I actually watched it on my own when I was home sick as well. Um, so I was couched. <laughs> it's, it's a good sick day movie. It was it was perfect for that. Absolutely perfect. Um, at one point, Claire, who was working in the other room, came in and, and stuck her head around the, the door and she was like, oh yeah, watching cartoons, are you? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, 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 as you as you snile snarled through a call them when it's not a cartoon it's an animated movie it's, it's an animated movie brilliant studio Ghibli you should have just said yeah 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 come, come in and watch it for a minute and just fucking scar her and just be like right <laughs> last time you call it the oh, I'm watching a fucking cartoon yeah come yeah. and watch this do you like unicorns yeah. um, <laughs> you're gonna love Christopher Lee in this <laughs> <laughs> So it worked for me on a number of levels. It worked for me on that sort of dark childhood level. It worked on, It worked for me on the sort of, yes, there's a deeper meaning here. Um, and it worked for me on much simpler levels, like the quality of the animation, the quality of the soundtrack. Um, so, yeah, definitely not shit from me. Good. I, I, Ian, I, I, I would maybe touch and cloth it. I'm, I'm glad you guys right. enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Good, good, that's, good. That's all I got. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess that's uh, that's our show. Um, three winners um, all round, I think. I think yep. the last one, maybe, I think, is a film that maybe you'd only recommend it to certain people, people with a certain taste. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, but I very much enjoyed it. So uh, that was our show. Anything else to add from you two gentlemen? Any uh, Any information on what's coming next? Well, yeah. Um, I, 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 do you want to go over what we what we what we've chosen for each other? Have we all decided? I think I haven't picked for you yet, Mark, because you're a motherfucker to pick through because you've seen yeah, everything really. on Sky Movies. <laughs> yes. Um, what, do, you, do you want to say what you've picked for Noel, Ian? Yeah. So, um, un- unimaginative, but I 
quite fancy watching it again. I think Noel's going to have a blast with it. Uh, Guy Ritchie's underappreciated The Man from Uncle. Which I'm also looking forward to rewatching because, um, if you remember correctly, people, uh, I hated all of the marketing for The Man from Uncle. Didn't want to watch it. Only yep. said I'd watch it because Ian was really looking forward to it and I didn't see, a, I, I thought it would have been mean of me to have robbed Ian of the experience of watching it in the cinema because I didn't want to see it and I fucking loved it <laughs> see it's funny because I am looking forward to it because it's a film that would have completely passed me by because I wasn't really interested in it when it came out but since then I've heard a lot of people mention it as this sort of like you know what this was actually quite good this and so for that reason I think I'm kind of looking forward to it because otherwise I might never have seen it so yeah. So that's good. Um, and Mark, have you picked for Ian? I have, yes. I am getting him in uh, in shiny 4K, uh, the, yeah. the Clint Eastwood movie Unforgiven. Oh, brilliant. Nice. Yeah, I forgot you which, which I'm also really fucking looking forward to, to, to rewatching. I've been meaning to rewatch it for ages, but being honest, it, it, the, the fact that it's two hours, 20 minutes long has always made me go, I'll get to it, but not tonight. And now it's given me an actual genuine excuse to watch it in you know in the next coming couple of months. I'm Excellent. super super pumped. Yeah, the last time I saw, I've not seen it on Blu-ray or HD either. That so I think that'll no, be nice. Not. The last time I've seen it was was I think it was a DVD that was given away on a magazine collection called the Clint Eastwood Collection. Yeah, do you know when the last yeah. time I saw it was? Yeah. Laserdisc. Oh, right, nice. Wow. Yes. <laughs> the last time I watched it was on Laserdisc. So Mark and I will be watching it in glorious uh, 1080p, whereas uh, Ian the snob will be, uh, will be watching it in full, full-on 4K. Yeah, check out. And it. Watch, watch this space for uh, a decision on what it is that I'm gifting Mark. Mark, expect uh, a few text messages over the coming <laughs> days because I just fire multiple films that so you can go oh no seeing that seeing that seeing that yep perfect right well uh, thanks very much for listening folks uh, Mark and Ian thank you for uh, allowing me to to steer the ship on this occasion once again and um, I won't see you next time ladies and gentlemen but Mark and Ian will bye 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 <laughs>